And you're very welcome along to a Sessi Staff Room. The Sessi Staff Room aims to be a half-hour program. I say that all the time. It has never been a half-hour program. In all 15, 16, 20-odd episodes we have, we've been always more than a half-hour. Um, this season three of the Sessi Staff Room is going to be an interesting one, as I mentioned before. Before I go any further, um, season three is all about Sessi is 50. SESI is the Computers and Education Society of Ireland, and it's 50 years old this year. We have a conference coming up in March. We want to see you there, 11th of March. We also want you to subscribe to our podcast. A lot of work goes into it, a lot of research behind the scenes go into it. So if you hit that subscribe button, it would mean an awful lot to us. So please do hit subscribe. Plus, you'll get notified of any new podcasts uh, coming your way. The SESI staff room, the idea behind it is it's a virtual staff room. We go, we meet, we chat, hopefully we learn from each other. This particular episode of season three, I'm genuinely looking forward to. I've been wanting to interview Connor Galvin for the longest time because, frankly, I don't know what he does. Um, he appears in the most strangest of places. Like, he was uh, he was at a conference. The first time I met Connor was at a conference in uh, down in Tipperary, ICTEDU. Connor, you're very welcome to the SESI staff room. Thanks very much, Asan. Absolutely terrific to be here, and uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the chat. Uh, Connor, whether you realise this or not, it was you that put it in my head to put the SESI staff room together as a method of really, yep, as a method of teachers being able to talk to teachers, and it was you that said it to me all, the, all that time ago, that uh, teachers learn best from other teachers, and the best learning environment yeah. can sometimes be the staff room. That was all you. That, well, look, I'm delighted to hear that. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's um, th- that really, I'm chuffed actually to hear that, Hassan, because, you know, I'm, I'm a big admirer of the staff room, and I think that the work that the staff room does is absolutely incredible. Um, so, you know, to, to, to know that I was a wee bit in the background of that is fantastic. It, that's actually a, a fair reflection on my life generally. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a Johnny Appleseed, to, to use that sort of loose expression. I go around the place with opinions and ideas and, you know, cast them out and some of them take root and most of them don't. But um, yeah, I'm delighted to hear that. So, yeah, good one. Um, when, you, when you're not pointing me in the right direction or, or, or planting that seed or, or who is who is Connor Galvin um, like what, what's what's a, what's a day in the life for, for Connor Galvin oh we were supposed to be starting with the easy questions but yeah um, uh, yeah okay go 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 with the bio the, the basic bio I'm a digital journeyman all that I do in life is you know trying to find <clears throat> trying to find my way through things trying to have uh, uh, a bit of enjoyment while I'm doing it. The day job is is I'm a university um, lecturer and researcher. So I spend a lot of my time in University College Dublin, School of Education, College of Social Sciences, depending on the day, depending on who I'm working with. And I teach into, I'm a teacher um, more so than anything else, perhaps, Asan. And that, I think, is one of my my probably my secret power <laughs> or my secret weapon of some sorts because I, the, the teacher in me is is what always comes to the surface 
even more so than the researcher. So um, I would teach into things like, recently I'm doing a lot of work in relation to sustainability, education for sustainability. Um, all down the years I've been involved in teaching student teachers and others at what used to be diploma level initially, then became PME and so on, professional masters and all the rest of it. Um, technology, uses of technology, and it's always uses. It's never technology. I never teach technology. I always teach kind of and and get people to play in spaces, particularly in the master's programs. You can get people to play into spaces and, and, and have a bit of crack looking at technology and how it can be used in teaching and learning. So that's that's what I bring to, to any mix, I suppose. And it, it's probably a, a pretty good definition of who I try to be rather than maybe perhaps who I am or whatever. But uh, so, yeah, that, that's it. I bring a foreign attitude to a lot of things as well, which might sound a bit strange. But what is a foreign attitude to a lot of things? You know, my own, yeah, my own attitude to technology is is sort of slightly imported. Uh, my first exposure to computers in education was in the Middle East when I was working over in Abu Dhabi a, a million years ago, and we had uh, we had the, the infamous computer lab kind of set up, but we we. Uh, we used it to produce resources and posters and stuff like that that hadn't been done previously. And that was that kind of set me on a particular track where you, you don't teach technology, you teach people how to get the best out of whatever kit they have and to produce stuff that's useful in their daily lives and their teaching and learning lives and so on. Teachers, students, the whole the whole shebang. And I've I've kind of brought that with me ever since. So um after that i went to 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 study in the uk for a while and they've always been seen as you know a little bit ahead of the curve and and so on in terms of use of technology i, I don't buy that story fully to, to, to be honest having been there and all the rest of it but i was there at the time that apple started to take off and within the universities that i worked in apple was was um uh, was the weapon of choice for a lot of people because of its creative potential and that, I suppose, is also something that's always stayed with me in using technology. I always try to kind of stay on the creative side rather than on the technical side. So, yeah, that's it. And then, you know, found my way back to the island and I'm wandering around the place ever since, conference to conference, event to event, <laughs> teaching session to teaching session, you know, the classical mendicant. <laughs> There's so many things there that I, you just kind of brush. It's technology education, technology in education, the use of technology in education, technology to support, because that's very much where um, this is going to be very much a love in now, because that's very much where I come from. It's not about the technology. It's about the mm. use of technology in education, no. and it's about how to support the teacher yeah. um, in the classroom. Yeah, I mean, if it's about the technology, you're going the wrong way. That that's always been my my starting point, and it, that's gotten me into a couple of scrapes as well down the years because um, a lot of people, you know, they get as far as the technology, and that's it. It's it's getting stuff into schools. It's getting scanners as it used to be, you know, cameras, whatever it happened. It happened to be at the time getting those into school, and the, the thought was never given to, you know, now that they're there, what do we do with them? Or certainly wasn't given to them. In, in anything like enough. Um, um, and that's something I spoke about umpteen times. I'm in the very staff room. I did that. Like, I was the snake oil salesman. Like, I loved my job as a salesperson. But I'd go in with the iPad, make the iPad dance, and do all sorts of amazing and wonderful things with it. 
sell a load of them and it'll be left in the corner. You'd go back and you'd visit it because as a technologist you, and a nerd, you want to see how they're getting on. You you go back to the school and you go, why aren't you using all the fancy boxes and the stuff that I sold you? And they said, well, this teacher that does CPD isn't available or the whatever. And I'd go back to, to my wife and I'd say, look, at the, they're not using the stuff and it's amazing. And she would simply say, make a difference. Go in, show them how to use it. And people said, yeah, you're mad. Go into train teachers. You're crazy. And I went, no, they, they need it. They absolutely need it. Because what, re- what they were being sold was the box. This is an amazing thing. It does amazing mm-hmm. stuff. As opposed to what can this do for your classroom? Um, what can this do for your teaching? Yeah. And Adrienne last, last week, it's actually last episode, just gone up. She was like, technology never made a teacher good. A teacher was already good and the technology enabled them. Yeah. To do to do more, to do more and 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 to enjoy it a little bit more, which is always, I think, the, the key to it. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree. I mean, there's there's a thousand things we could have done differently and could have done better, various stages in relation to that. And I always think that one of the um kind of sadder moments <laughs> really was when, when Schools IT 2000 kicked off in the late 90s um, and you had all of this push to bring technology into schools and you had, you know, all of the big the big beasts were, were literally firing kit into schools and you had Gateway giving away the free machines and all of that. There just wasn't enough emphasis put on on the actual, um, well, this is now that you have it, this is how you how you might think about using it. We're not going to tell you how to use it, but we can show you what it'll do, and then you can make your own mind up about how to use it. There wasn't enough of that in terms of the phase training. You know, the phase training was all about turning it on, turning it off, files, saving stuff, blah, blah, blah. And the, the, the teaching and learning aspect was always secondary. Um, so I've, I suppose I've spent the best part of my life in that space undoing parts of that thinking and undoing parts of that harm where I'd very often start a session by saying look here's a piece of kit play with it now let's talk about teaching with it and you know that's that's I think that's the key to 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 open up an awful lot you give the teachers the opportunity to, to to figure it out you support them you give them the the technical side and then you just step back and let the magic happen in terms of the the teaching and learning and you know that's that's that we, we've become a little bit better at that, mind you, I think, Hassan, down the years. There's a wee bit more um, openness to that kind of thinking than there would have been previously. Um, but then, you know, it's swings and roundabouts. There's some, some, some good things and some, some less. So, yeah. How has it become easier? Is it that teachers are, is it the classroom, there's not as much rigidity? If that's a, in the classroom, there's, there's a bit more flexibility with the learning? Or, or how did that... How did that come about? It's kind of a confluence of things, really, isn't it? I mean, life changes and technology becomes of everyday life. That's the first thing. So young people, um, regardless of whether you're working at university level or working in primary school or secondary school or whatever, young people coming into classrooms have more knowledge and expectations around technology than they would have had previously. And, you know, they, they bring the pluses and the minuses of that with them. <laughs> you know, yeah. they bring the, the, the good stuff, how to use the, the newer things. And then also the fact that there's still these huge gaps in what they can do and so on. I think teachers have become, in my experience, um, a little bit more accepting of the fact that they're never going to be the full 
ringmaster that they used to be in 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 these places perhaps so you know you, you try a thing out you make it it'll work eight nine times out of ten sometimes it won't work and you shrug and you kind of pick up the pieces and you try again but that's an attitude among teachers i think that's that's different as well and interestingly i don't think it's just young teachers i think it's teachers right across the board okay. teachers have become more capable in their own lives in terms of using um, you know technology and social media and so on and that sort of bleeds into the work that they're doing in schools in my experience um but without any assumptions mm-hmm. you know you, you never step in and say i'm the god of small things and this is what we're going to do <laughs> you, you know you, you do your teaching and you you bring in the bits of of the technology that they think you will actually help if it's working well you'll you'll read it in the kids the kids will bring on their own ideas as well um, you know, when that when that comes together, it can be very, very um, interesting. You see some wonderful stuff being done in classrooms. Simple little stuff like, for example, e-twinning project. The idea for the e-twinning project comes from the teacher. The content that is produced by the kids. Uh, the technology is used as the vehicle between schools or across schools or within the project space or whatever. So all of those little things have changed, in, I, I think, quite substantially in the last 10 odd years. You can do stuff now that you couldn't have thought about doing before. Um, not because the technology is rock solid and always there, <laughs> but because it, 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 at least it's, you accept its limits and you accept that it's always going to be a little bit shaky and you know, the house of cards can come down. Yeah, of course. But when it works, it, it and what about like teacher training? I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, of teacher training, but it's the one thing that, that comes up often and like, we're not getting any training it's assumed so let me start that again it's assumed and again i go referring back to adrienne it's assumed that the teacher will simply learn by some method of osmosis how to use the technology but they have to it's not that's not the case they have to be trained and they have to learn like 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 anybody else how how yeah, How does yeah. that Okay, and I, again, here's my, here's my, you know the way that sometimes the dark force comes out of the cupboard? Well, the dark force comes out of the cupboard on this one. I don't believe in teacher training, okay, first of all. I believe in teacher education. And within the, the framework of education, you have to do technical work. You have to do pedagogical work. You know, you, you, you have to kind of expose them to basic ideas and you have to help them build their confidence and so on. That's, the, the, it's more developmental than training. Uh, 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 you know, if you know what I mean, Hassan, uh, it's not just a case of training is sort of, you know, it's, it's just training will show you how to turn the thing on, turn the thing off. And, be, and But it's, it's actually beyond that. It's using it in a productive way. It's using it in an effective way, in an enjoyable way for you and for the kids. Now, do we do that well in teacher education? I think we're doing it an awful lot better than we used to. Absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at my own colleagues like, you know, Rachel Farr, for example, people like that who, who, has, has people has, has students on our PME and I know it's very similar in others you know out to Microsoft to play with surfaces you know visits from from different technology companies what can the technology do for us how can we use it in terms of teaching and learning that sort of those sorts of conversations are ongoing but what people forget about teacher development is it's it's sort of it's a lifelong thing you can only do a certain amount in the initial stages um, and I think that's becoming a little bit easier because I think young people, particularly coming into teacher education, uh, tend to bring more technical ability with them than they had previously. 
with the gaps and all, as I say, but, but, but it's there and you can work with that. So you can get them to do stuff and work with things, basic technologies in teaching and learning that you couldn't have done perhaps previously. Where there's still a huge amount of work to be done, I think, is in relation to development um, people who are out in the teaching world. And there used to be wonderful opportunities on master's programs. An awful lot of teachers used to come and do master's, um, M.Eds particularly, Partly because there was there was um, a, a little bit of funding associated with it. When you had your MA, you got a little bit of a bonus and so on. And that might seem, you know, a bit insignificant, but I think it was important because it meant the teachers were prepared to invest in a little bit more in, in their their, um, their professional development, the professional training within the universities and the colleges. And that gave you opportunities to do stuff that brings to the classroom and brings to the experienced teacher you know, options and, 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 and kind of technical solutions and technical possibilities that weren't there previously. And I'm thinking about the sort of stuff I used to do in my own MED. Um, again, it might seem very straightforward, but using videos, you know, making little video clips, those sorts of things. Um, E-twinning projects, always a feature of, of the work that I used to do when I was working on the MED side. And it was always with groups of teachers whose kind of, the, the eyes would light up a little bit. Later, it was... It, you know, it, it became more computer science-y and we started looking at, um, you know, uh, doing work in relation to transformational thinking, the, the logics that are associated with using technology in classrooms and so on, perhaps a teeny bit more technical than previously. Um, but it, it was always an opportunity to do that sort of thing with teachers when they came to you. I think that's a lost a little bit now because not so many teachers do formalized uh, master's programs any longer they're all much much more dependent on the type of thing that's been put out by the pdst uh, and groups like that now i'm not criticizing that i think it's very very effective it's very good um and i think it makes a huge difference to what's possible in in, in classrooms but again it does tend to emphasize the technical more so than the pedagogical i think that's my reading of it with no no you know no aspersions cast on anyone that's their job bring in the new stuff connected to curriculum change by all means but emphasis on the technology and how it's used um or rather more on the technology than on how it's used in some cases and and i, I think that's a bit of a, a bit of a shortcoming yeah and what do you think there's a gap connor between this is how we should use it this and this is how it is being used. Do you think there's there's a there's a there's a there should be more joined up thinking? So people will go off and like I asked Elizabeth this, and I I, I kind of regretted it, but yeah, it's out there. That's it. It's published, so I'm I'm not going to go back. Is there a, a gap between the carpet dwellers, the academics, and the visionaries who believe this is how it should happen and this is how it happens effectively, and the people who are in the front line teaching using technology? Yeah, I think there's always going to be because the, the, the expectations on, on people in classroom settings and contexts are um, increasingly unreal and, and, and unrealistic in many ways. You know, we're expected to do more and more and more. A very simple example of that might be if, for example, you look at what's going on in terms of digital planning. Um, all schools are now meant to produce their own digital plans and we have guidance and we have, you know, we have all of the the, uh, the the support documents and everything else. And we have an inspector that's increasingly asking and ticking boxes in relation to digital planning. 
but it's not really um it's not lived at the level of classrooms because it, it it's just one element of what teachers are trying to, to to deal with and to cope with and there's so many other things that are more pressing perhaps and that, that you know push things out of the way a little bit the argument that technology makes your life easier is is the fallacious one i i think technology never really makes a teacher's life easier it, it makes it more interesting it makes it you know um it, it, it connects and makes possibilities um uh, out of teaching situations that might not previously have existed or might not easily exist otherwise, but it's not making your life easier. And this is this the story that's been sold to teachers all the way down the line. You know, we use the technology to make your life easier. It doesn't. It makes your teaching more interesting. It makes your teaching perhaps, perhaps to some degree, um, more more um, effective to use that terrible term. But it also makes it more interesting for you if you're using technology as well. And there is that gap, I think, between you know what you described there earlier on about the 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 um the snake oil sales the the big story the big narrative at the top level technology will transform education and transform the world it never will and it never did you know technology won't transform anything it's the teachers using it that'll do the transformation eventually and the, the gap as you described it between what teachers do and what's expected of them i think is is uh, really really unfortunate um, is there a way to close that I think that gap? most teachers, yeah, there is. I think most teachers have to be just given time and space. I mean, a million years ago, we made, we, 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 we produced, we produced a document. A group of us were brought together by a minister at the time to produce a document on the effective use of information communication technology in education. And we did the first genuine costing exercise in relation to what is, what would be involved. And there were people from the industry side or people from the, Teach, there were teachers from classrooms, you know, I, I'm thinking, for example, um, Maureen Glynn was one of the people on that particular panel from, from, from um, at the time, teaching in Mayo. And, you know, th- there, was, there was a whole load of, of different voices being heard in, in, that, in that particular report we put it together. And one of the things we emphasized was, okay, what you have to do is pay for the development of teachers. You have to make routes possible that will allow a teacher to step out of her classroom for two months, three months at some stage, you know, do a project, do uh, an internship, do a study module, do something that allows them the time and the space to find out and to explore the technology side and how that technology might actually be used in their classroom. Then to go back to the classroom to use it and to follow it up. So, you know, there was all of that kind of thinking was, was put forward in that report, but it was also costed. And, you know, the, 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 these things don't happen unless they're invested in. And I think there was a major opportunity missed there not to invest in that type of thing, because that would have, again, it's a very business expression, close the gap. It, it would have closed the gap. It would have made a difference. I think teachers will use stuff if it makes a difference in terms of the enjoyment and the learning of the kids in their classrooms, regardless of whether you're at university level or, or, or anywhere else in the system. If it's not going to make an enjoyable difference for the learner, then it's more punishment and more trouble than it's worth. And the ability to see those moments and to resource them in and through technology, I think, is, is, is what's missing in the system. A lot of teachers will do this because they are naturally creative. You can't force it and you can't drive it, which we're trying to do through the digital planning thing. We're trying to insist that technology is used in all classrooms, blah, blah, blah. 
you can't do it that way in, in, in my view. You have to sort of lead from the front. You have to lead through the examples of the good stuff that's working really well. And that sort of, you know, I've, I've, I've really invested heavily in that perception all down the years in my own life. And I've seen two massive examples of failure in the Irish system in relation to that, which I'm happy to talk about if, if, if you want to later on. But can we close the gap? Yes. I never see it as a gap. I always see it as a challenge to get more teachers using and thinking creatively about the technologies and bringing that creativity into their classroom settings. I love it. I love it. I, I also think there's an aspect there, critical thinking. I don't know how we'd bring into, we, we, often, we always talk about computational thinking, computational thinking, but what technology has brought is access to all of this information and access to the world. So now we need to yeah. teach critical thinking as well as everything else. Um, and I think that's yeah. a tough one. I, yeah, I don't and, think and it's you, easy for teachers. Absolutely. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, we're, we're, we're hearing expressions like digital literacy and, 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 and things like that. And they have a certain place to play. But the criticality, the ability to stand back and, and really evaluate this and say, is this going to work for me? Is this going to work for my kids in my... That's at the heart of... Um, and then how do I use it in an interesting way? And that's the, that's when the criticality becomes creativity. And that bridge, I mean, you know, there, 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 we have so much to learn, not just in technology, Hazan, in all of the areas of teaching and learning that you know, teachers are involved in, making that connection between critical insight and then, you know, action at the level of the, of, of, of the teaching act. I think there's, there's a huge amount of um, and that, of course, change and good there is way to go and and there is and look at it's education hasn't changed really in years and years and years the classroom hasn't changed and i i innocently when i went on this from a sales background went into working with teachers as a title i thought i gave myself but apparently it's a thing now an educational technologist um like i decided on my LinkedIn profile, because I'd have the notions, like, and I went, reinventing the classroom. That's what I want to do. I want to reinvent the classroom. I want to reinvent the learning space. And I thought, I'm going to do this. Jesus. Ten years later, I'm going, what? (laughs) What what have I set myself? Yeah, see, Hassan, the thing is that every teacher, every teacher reinvents the classroom every time they step into it. You know, that's the reality of it. The classroom is you and, and, the, and, and the young people that you're working with. It's the material that kind of forms the bridge to the communications and the conversations you're actually having. You are reinventing the classroom, okay? But whether technology plays a part in that or not depends very much on, on, on your perspective and on your, your views and your values. And I think we need a little bit more openness to using technologies, but only in the way that, um, you know... Um, it, 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 it actually helps with that process of moving, as we've talked about, from the critical but this, through look the creative at, to the actual real learning. But yeah. you, you, you mentioned this earlier on. and it, So I, I was approached recently by a teacher and they said, oh, sure, I haven't got a clue about this technology crack. And I still haven't, like, I haven't, I worked with them 10 years ago and I've started working with them again recently. And I have to stop them and go, would you ever just stop it for a second now? You, when I met you first, you didn't know how to turn on a computer. Ten years later, you're creating virtual now. classrooms. <laughs> You've learned mm. loads. So accept See, that. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, we understand. Teachers are, are notorious for underselling themselves. I agree with you yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not just saying this because it's a teacher podcast, but I do, I, I firmly believe it. Now, there's a fair few now that I'd want to talk to, but there, there's an, tons, tons more that are doing amazing things every single day, and they don't even realize it, and those are the powerful ones. Those are the ones with the, with the, with the, with the powerful stories. Too. Yeah, but the, there's, there's one thing that's missing sometimes in that part of the conversation as well. It's not just doing the good stuff. It's talking to others about mm. doing the good stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why things like Sessi are absolutely invaluable. And that know? brings me on Because to... it gives you a platform. Yeah, and that, that brings yeah. me on to Sessi. It gives you a that's... platform to actually meet and to talk. Yeah, and, and it's when you're talking with other teachers about what you're doing and how you're doing it and stuff like that, that, uh, you know, a certain amount of, of that learning happens that, that, that you can't do in the more formal situation because all of the emphasis that we put on teacher development and as you, as you, as you described the teacher training is formalized. Mm. But the real good stuff happens in the informal context. It's over the cup of coffee. It's the... Yeah the teach meet, it's the maker meet, whatever it happens to be. That's where the real learning can, can take place. Um, and, and, you know, encouraging those sorts of environments in formal situations is possible. We've done it in, in master's programs in UCD. And, you know, I've seen some absolutely fantastic people coming out of out of my, my own master's programs and out of so many other master's programs. Mm. Um, and even out of the PMEs and places like that. But again, it's when it's it's the conversations that you're having on the side rather than the formalized aspect. You need the formal, you need the starter pack, but then what do you do with it next? How do you exactly. how do you turn this into yeah. teaching? And I think that's where that's where we, we you know where organizations like SESI and that brings particularly me on to SESI, SESI like that makes such a huge difference. This yeah. is the SESI podcast. So this is Computers and Education Society of Ireland. I mean what is SESI? What is SESI to you? What is the Computers and Education Society to you, Connor? I mean, what's what's your what was your first introduction to SESI? Oh gosh, you know that. Um, well, f f for me, it's the go-to place, and that sounds very you know American or whatever. But it's it's where you go when you want to see what teachers are thinking about and what they're working on, and how they're using technology in their classrooms and settings. It's a unique organization in the sense that it spans the full spectrum. It's got, you know, we've got primary, we've got secondary, we've got further ed, we've got higher ed. We've got people all the way down from, you know, policymakers right the way up to, to classroom teachers. And I think that's that's what makes SESI uh, the organization it actually is. Um, it's a free and open association. So people can come, they can work with SESI, they can work around SESI, they can go to the boards, they can go to the, the conferences, the meetings uh, uh, for a while or for, for life. It, it really doesn't matter. My own in, involvement with SESI goes back probably to around 2002, 2003. Um, I mean, I heard about SESI way, way back. And uh, then around that time, I started meeting people because my, my role had changed in, in, in the university. I was then working in relation to initial teacher education, much more so. And I started meeting teachers who were involved in SESI. So people like Paddy Bates, you know, um, bumped into him down home direction at one stage and had a great conversation. Um, you always do when you met Paddy Bates. And, and then Elizabeth, every time you met her, she was on about, you know, computers and technology and like one of the, the, the absolute founders of the whole movement and everything else. But it was, it was probably Tom Kendall that brought me into SESI. Um, originally, 
because he was he was doing some work at the time in his school. Um, he'd moved on from his Apple days. He was now kind of, you know, heading back into school settings and contexts. And um, he asked me to, 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 to do some, we had these kind of pizza and soda events, as he used to call them, where we bring young people together who are actually using technology and just chat it through. Um, and at one of those, Tom said, you should, really should come along to this sassy thing. So I, I, I sort of said, yeah, no problem at all. Just let me know when it's happening. And you should never, ever say something like that to people like Tom Kendall. This is this is my learning point in life. Because the next thing I just got, I was actually keynoting the next major SESI conference. Um, uh, so, you know, that, that, that um, it, and it was very interesting. It was very challenging. And I do think, I think that was around 2006. And I gave the keynote that year about, you know, schools being increasingly digital places. And then never kind of left. Uh, you know, I've been I've been on the fringes quite a bit in more recent years, but then from then on, I was kind of heavily involved in SESI and and uh, like two thousand and eight, um, I went I became chair then shortly afterwards, and and uh, that was an interesting time because we were sort of reinventing SESI a little bit, and there was a, an incredibly dynamic committee that came in around that time, many of whom are still very active. Um, I'm thinking of people like John. Um, both the Johns, John Hegarty and, and, and John Heffernan, who came in at that time, Adrienne, there were people like Declan Whelan, who kind of put us on a, on a footing in terms of money that we never had before, Pat Seaver, uh, Pat Seaver, you know, all of these people um, that, that had actually been using technology really, really well became the core of a, a push within SESI that took, I think, and again, no, no reflection on what had been happening previously at all. It's just things, things have, have, have waves and stuff had started happening in schools, stuff had started happening in the department. And we kind of, we, we surfed that a little bit and, and made quite an appreciable number of, of developments over a short period of time within SESI. So that the conference has changed. We, we moved from traditional sort of conference venues to schools, for example. Um, and then we had people coming in. We had, you know, like Joe Dale came in and, and spoke and, He's been on this podcast. Again, mad ideas from other places. Exactly. And all of that kind of started to happen around the same time. Um, so that was my that was my introduction to SESI as oh. an organization of teachers who were interested in using technology, not computers, yeah. technology. And <clears throat> we've had all the arguments of should we change the name of Nichols? I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad I'm glad it's still SESI and it should always be SESI. Because why, it's, why it's computers, but the it's much more. They there, there was a, there was a long discussion about should it be technologies in education or something like this, and then you say no. This is an organization that's been in existence since you know twenty years, twenty five years at the time. You don't just change the name because you're, you're changing the name. You change the logo by all means, but not not the name. And uh, that 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 sort of took us into the more recent. Um, period in relation to SESI. So I'm still on the edges of the thing and um, probably not as active as I used to be. And, and in your opinion, what has been the greatest, this is a tough question, what is the greatest impact of SESI? Now, I think you mentioned it before when we were talking about teachers and, and teachers learning from teachers. But yeah, just the con- the, 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 keeping the conversation alive. Yeah, I, I, I've no hesitation answering that at all. The greatest impact of SESI has been keeping the conversation alive. Having those conversations up and down the system where teachers can actually speak with each other, learn a little bit 
about what's going on. So God, I never thought of that. And 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 sort of feel comfortable talking about what they're doing in, in the various SESI events and, and, and whatever. Um, so it's been before we had communities of practice or communities of inquiry or learning networks or whatever you want to call them, SESI was all of that. And I think that's been its great strength. Um, it's a great leveler as well. You know, when you go into a conversation in, in SESI, you learn from everyone. You learn from the, 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 the you know, from the, the, the junior school teacher that's been using technology to help record bits and pieces around the bug hotel that they've just built in the, in, in the, in the backyard. You learn from, you know, people like Deirdre Butler, who's been, you know, working on the Lego logo kind of thing for a million years and have now taken it completely and exponentially in different directions. And you learn then from, 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 from other teachers, particularly, you know, people that are in the classroom day to day who are using technology in relation to language learning and history and so on. I mean, um, so it's it's those sort of open ended. God, I never knew that sort of conversations that I think are the real strength of Sessi. And what about the, the the flip side of that conversation? Is what is the greatest missed opportunity? Uh, in technology and education in Ireland, do you want the top ten in, in relation to in relation to technologies in Ireland and 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 or the, the world or in SESI or where? <laughs> um, let's, let's let's keep it. A, small. a very good question and a very hard one. Yeah, um, let's start with okay. missed opportunities in, in Ireland. In Ireland, okay. I I would again. I do have my top ten on that one. Genuinely, go. But I would say um, probably three. Probably three in 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 particular. The first one's the decision at a policy level to disband the NCTE, the National Centre for Technology and Education. I always think that was a huge mistake. I think it was a, a, a major misstep because of a very, very incredible amount of work had been done by that organisation. But politically, it didn't fit. Politically, it never had its charter. It never had its... It came out of um, a ministerial decision. It came out of a decision to try and mainstream technologies um, through fast track. And when you do something like that, you, you, you know, you sideline other areas, particularly within the department. Um, and th the decision to kind of do away with the NCT was, to my mind, a major, major slip. Because apart from anything else, we lost the, the network of advisors. There was this fantastic network of advisors up and down the country that was lost as part of that. An awful lot of these, the 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 kind of the knowledge and ability that people like Anne White would have had, you know, it went back into the system. They went back as teachers. John, the, the John John Hurley and and McCallisey, you know, went from NCT back into the system as well, um, and they set up the, the, their consultancy, which is an incredible mover and shaker still in relation to technology and and, and I, I don't see that stopping anytime soon but all of those pat coffee's another one nct he, he kind of found a new home in terms of you know taking Skullnet under his wing and, and and making it everything that it has become but all of that was was kind of centralized and to take away that structure and that facility i think was a huge it did a huge amount of damage to the infrastructure if you like to call it that um, in relation to teachers and teaching. And w w we're kind of seeing something similar to it again now in terms of stripping back the PDST. The same idea, you know, build up the expertise and then dissipate it. 
And I never understand that. And, you know, we, we're seeing the PDST digital now being, being kind of fractured, people going back into schools, which is excellent at one level, but you never really go back. You always kind of, you know, you're always kind of one foot in, one foot out, I think, when you go back from something like that. But those sorts of decisions that are, if you like, corporate decisions, um, I think that's been a major failing in relation to technology in this country. We've not taken the logical next step. And I suppose that would be my number one. Um, the second thing I think major failing really was in relation to something that came out of IT2000. And again, it's funny how history repeats itself because I've seen an echo of it again in, in, in more recent years. The SIP projects, the schools integration projects, which was one of the kind of three main strands in the IT2000 initiative way, way back in old God's time, around 2000 and, and, and so on. Think of it like this, 500 schools up and down the country, more or less, all trying to do interesting things using technology to some degree within teaching and learning, and then not learning from that. Not bringing that together, not building on it, not, you know, not even doing a good follow-up the only bits and pieces that were published out of that project were published um, by NCTE um, inadvertently. And we ran one conference in 2003, having had to fight with the department for two and a half to three years to get it in, in, into place. And the idea was all of this learning from all of these schools, let's share it, let's put it out into the, into the, into the, you know, into the rest of the system. And there was just this resistance to it. For And again, I've never, never really understood that. But I've seen something similar to it again more recently. We had the Schools Excellence uh, Project, digital. Investment in the technology, investment to some degree in terms of supporting the teachers, but then no follow-up, no evaluation, no attempt to learn, no attempt to build it back into the system. So it's, it's those sorts of, it's those things that are, I don't think they're, they're you know, they are failures, but they're much, much more than that. They're disappointments. They're deep disappointments. Because there are that those people like are just me coming about saying something should be done, but yeah. it's not. But do you not think some, a, a lot of those projects are, are tick box projects? Okay, we're, we're, look, we're going to do a thing. Here we go. We do a thing. And then you're the people who put that thing together have gotten Even, a promotion. There's yeah, no continuity. Okay. Even in... Yeah, let, let me let me kind of let me go back and use SIP as an example of that. There were probably about 107 projects in all across the, the schools in SIP. About 50 of those were gold dust. Absolute magic. A couple of them were tick boxes. Take the money. And more recently, you know, we had the tick boxes as well on the schools, digital excellent. Take the money, buy the drones, do nothing. You know? Um so yes. But this is this is something that this is something that I think is part and parcel of taking a chance and taking a risk. And if we if we you know if you put a certain amount of good stuff into the system, and if you get sixty percent payback, fifty percent payback, seventy percent payback, that should be used. That should be that should be taken. That should be learned from. That should be built into the next generation of whatever you do next. The big problem in Ireland is there's never a whatever we do next. <laughs> you know, you have SIP, SIP stops. <laughs> you have Schools Excellent Projects, Schools Excellent Projects stop. So there's no 
rolling, building and developing, um, except in, informally and incidentally. You know, it's it's teachers who kind of pick up the magic and, and who kind of keep it going in their own situations and their own settings. Um, but but how it's do not we structured that? in such so, a way. I mean, how do we, and we could be talking about this for the next two hours. We don't have two hours, Connor. <laughs> um, but what, like, th- this ties into what the biggest challenge over the next couple of years. Do you think, and I'm not answering this for you, well, I am kind of a little bit. Do, do you think it should be continuity of these great projects? We're coming out with them, but we should be looking at not the project finishing, not the project end date, but it should be called the project continuity date or the project handover date, where the project gets handed over and it develops by itself through osmosis. It actually develops over the years as opposed to this. Here's a great project. There you go. And then it finishes like, oh, how, how do we yeah, fix it? Yeah, I, I do. And, I, and I, don't have, I don't have the magic bullet for how to do that. But I do think that if the infrastructure is there that encourages you to build on and learn from what's been done, then there's a natural avenue to, to push it out to other schools. And I think an awful lot of it becomes providing a forum, providing a platform where teachers can see what's been done in, in previous projects and can take aspects or bits of them and build on them, uh, you know, going into, an, into a new phase or into a new generation of the same project. We've seen that happening um, a, a kind of unforced in relation to e-twinning projects, for example. You know, a small e-twinning project grows to be a larger project. Schools are involved, 10 schools, maybe over three to four years, 50 schools over five to six years, where they're all kind of doing stuff like, you know, like like that wonderful uh, John John Gallagher project that from, from the SIP, the, you know, field fences of Sligo. That is still out there in the ether. There are still people doing projects like that through the, the through the um, through the uh, e-twinning n- networks, because it's the kind of things. There are gateways, there are doorways, there are field fences right across Europe. You can use it as a focal point for cultural issues. You can use it as a focal point for biodiversity. Increasingly, you know. So there's all of ways where where things. It's never the same project done again. It's always the way it grows, and and you know, a new group of teachers taken in a slightly different direction, build on what's been done so far, add something new, add something magical. That's something that's actually not supported really well enough in, in the Irish context, I think. And I'm, I'm, I'm always disappointed when it happens, but I'm never surprised. And that perhaps is, is a terrible indictment. I don't want to end on a negative, but I like that negative is very much a positive. If we can realize what the challenges are, then we can overcome them. I agree. Absolutely. And I mean, and I do think, again, I wouldn't like to end on a negative. So I, I would end on a positive by saying um, the teachers and, and, and people who come to, you know, master's programs like the sort of one that I've been trying to run down the years, go back into the system mm. um, and, and do great stuff. And to support them in terms of whatever idea they have next, whether it's creativity classroom, whether it's to do with teaching about biodiversity using technologies, uh, in and through technologies. Uh, I've had so many good students down the years that have actually gone away and I've caught up with them and said, ah, wow, 
Mm. Fantastic. And they've said something, you know, so where'd you get that idea? Well, we talked about it, <laughs> you know, and I just went away and did it. Yeah. And um, that's the sort of thing that I think makes a difference. So it's those little to, to, to where we started in terms of the, you know, the, 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 the seeds and the ideas. I think uh, projects grow, um, but they need to be nurtured. They need to be supported. They need to have, you know, um, places to go next. They need to produce yield in the sense of a crop, and then the crop has to be spread, and and, and it goes from, from one cluster to another, from one situation to another. I think SASE has been good down the years in terms of supporting that, in terms of spreading and distributing ideas. I think, however, it's the, it's the teachers. Um, SESI is as a negative, is, is, sorry, as, as a kind of a, a, an institutional presence is one thing, but it's the teachers within SESI. Mm. And indeed, those that aren't, that aren't SESI, like, you know, um, teachers in their schools, that's what makes the difference um, in, in the longer game, because they bring their creativity, they bring their criticality, and they do what can within the resources that they're actually given. They do what they can within the development opportunities that are provided for them. So if we can kind of get that a little bit more um, uh, in tune with either by teachers, then I think we're, we're, we're going the right direction. I think and I think you hit the nail on the head. 50, I think is going the right direction. Of course yeah. it is. I, I definitely, I think sessi has got, we need more people in Sessi. We need more people to, to join up, more people to talk. I, I firmly believe it's, it's talking to each other. It's, it's knowing that I want to do a thing in my classroom. Can I go and do it? And then do it. And if it doesn't work, that's the learning. Yeah. There's, it, we tend to learn from, we tend to be comfortable in what's safe. But really, the true learning from a teaching point of view is what doesn't work. Oh, I used the thing in the this particular scenario and it didn't work. Okay, check. I've learned from that. I won't be doing that again. Um, or I've, I found yeah, it particular. Yeah, but I might do a variation on it. Exactly. I might try, might try it a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think the supports and are there for thing teachers. Kind of, it's that thing of staying, yeah, staying on... Staying on the creative and staying on the edge, I think, is is what makes a difference. And teachers are good at that if you give them the opportunity and the support to do it. Uh, there you go. Give teachers the opportunities and the supports, and you watch, watch the, just watch the watch the magic happen. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Connor Galvin, thank you very much for joining us in the SESI staff room. Um, remember, I I think you're you're very you're you you um you're you're. I don't know what the word I'm looking for. You don't realize the effect you have on others by talking to them. And you you, you throw out an idea like the staff room and you just walk away. Um, I'm here because of it. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not just one person. I know loads of people with that same... Um, <laughs> with that same that had that same affliction or you had that same affliction on them and we call it an affliction <laughs> well, that's, it's that's not freaking easy yeah the one thing I'd say Hassan is I think that's what good teachers do in terms of you know throwing out those ideas and, and just letting them free into the world because what happens to them beyond that you can't control but um, very often the good stuff comes back Conor Galvin thank you very much for joining us on the Sessi staff room Hassan a real pleasure, genuine pleasure. Take care of yourself and best of luck with the rest of the series. Thank Look you very much. to hearing other voices.